The Upside Podcast, your stream to happiness. <laughs> Welcome back to the Switch On Podcast. Hope everyone's doing well. And we're joined by Lucas this morning. How are you, mate? Doing pretty well. How are you guys going? I'm very good. I'm very good. Happy to have you in, mate. It's been a been a bit too long since we caught up. We say that every time, but yeah. um, nah, it's been. I've been good. How about you, mate? Yeah, good. I'm buzzing. I went for a surf this morning on my way here. I was listening to Inspired Employed podcast with Ned, Bro- Ned Brockman. That's a yeah, good, really good episode. Where'd, where'd you get waves this morning? I was uh, also in the water. <laughs> <laughs> um, intrigue. It wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be, but still fun regardless. Yeah, couple boys. Yeah, nice. Good. Scarborough, and also not as good as I was thinking it was yeah. going to be. It was just yeah. really straight. I don't know. The sand seems to be seems to be gone, and it's yeah back to closeouts in Perth, which is all too familiar. Yeah. So that was this morning. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that leads into yeah, our next question, cool. which like, what'd you do this morning to to switch on? And that was, I mean, ticking our boxes. But what about yourself? Yeah, I was on land today, mate. I was just start. I did a little. I guess it's like an F forty five sort of setup workout, but like my own. Yeah, in the little gym, um, which was fun. But man, I was halfway through and I'm like, I haven't done something like this, and I was like, it's pretty tough. <laughs> like doing the weights, the cardio mixed together, it was actually tough, but it was good fun. Um, but you won't see me on a surfboard, mate. <laughs> <laughs> not anytime soon. We'll manage. We'll get him. We'll get him out there. Can't be from Esperance and not. I'm not, the only not bloke from in the water, mate. Doesn't surf, I reckon. Yeah, also the only one that's played professional football, so <laughs> maybe there's some sort of relationship there. Um, so we got you in to talk about personal responsibility and how important that is. Um, but to start us off, I guess, what's your definition and why personal responsibility is so important to you? Yeah, I, I actually struggled with this one a little bit at the start. I was thinking personal responsibility, like what, what, where's this going? And um, I don't know, I guess for me, it's kind of about choosing your own path and like, you know, um, you're sort of the master of your own destiny and, and, and that's always been my sort of philosophy towards, you know, whether it's school, uni, work. Um, I'm, I like internalising because it means you can control as well. You know, some people think about everything happening to them and them being impacted, but I'm sort of the opposite. I like to think about, you know, what are the actions you can do to sort of, you know, whatever your goals are to try and achieve. So I guess that's personal responsibility is kind of taking that mindset on into sort of everything you do in life. Yeah, it's big, eh? Mm. Um, before we keep going, I didn't, we, do you want to run us through quickly who you are, your background, where you're from, before yeah. we tap into the rest of it? Because yep. I've yep. just got a million questions off that one <laughs> thing. So, before we get into it, who yep. are you, where you, what are you doing now, and where'd you come from? Yep, yep. So, Lucas Carey, um, obviously knowing you for a long time, um, grew up together, um, had a lot of battles in, battles in the playground in primary battles. school, and, you know, eventually became friends um, when I realised I was never going to be as good as you at sport, and... <laughs> That was uh that was where that happened. But yeah, obviously, yeah, grew up in grew up in Esperance, um, born in Esperance, and and lived there for the first twenty years of my life, and then moved to Perth to study uh, environmental science, marine science at UWA, um, and then yeah, was fortunate to do a bit of study overseas and live overseas, which we can we can chat about, and and now I work at um, Rio Tinto as an environmental advisor, so basically, um, advising one of the operations at Rio on their environmental management um, compliance requirements and that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm. When we talk about battles, he means like full battles, like lunchtime, <laughs> yeah, yeah, lunchtime yeah. recess. The Titans. And then one, mate, Robbery. it's like under-14s and he swapped teams on us. Oh, yeah, Crosstown rivals, mate, and then oh, just made it even yeah. worse. But now very good mates. But 
<laughs> yeah. Mate, you talked about taking control and of your own path and where that started because I've obviously known you for a long time. There's actually a funny story of when we talk about reform, we used to play cricket, right, at recess at the primary school and everyone wants to bat, right? But we used to have teams and Lucas came in one day with teams and these guys opening and then like the whole list. Wow. And like, so that's like, I'm assuming that it's like, I don't even know if you can remember. Well, that's, that actually came from, you know, everyone wanted to do certain things. Like we had like, everyone wanted to play cricket. Yeah. You know, there's only two people that can start open batting and like recess and lunch. You don't have very long to bat. <laughs> so, you know, you gotta, you gotta turn that around and everyone wanted to be wiki keeper as yes. well. Wiki keeper was yeah, like the role. Cause you got, we had, we had the, the new gloves that the school had bought and yeah, I actually had to go into a meeting with the, the deputy, um, um, the deputy at school and, and, and basically give him this schedule of who was going to be doing <laughs> what. And, and, and I'd obviously weaseled myself into, into the spots that I wanted to be in. Um, but yeah, and, and that, that, yeah, that was probably like year three or year four. Yeah. So that's like, so it started from there. Like you literally like taking control of that, the responsibility of other people. Like, is that always something you've had or grew or? I, I think it probably started like, it probably started not from me, but from the people around me. So, um, I mean, my parents were incredibly sort of forward thinking in, in allowing me to develop that. So like I was, you know, I was never appreciative of this at the, at the time, but mum was, you know, we were making our own lunch in year one. I was pretty much just eating Vegemite sandwiches with a green apple, <laughs> which is probably the, the most boring lunch you could have. But giving us that responsibility, you know, cleaning up around the house, we used to have, you know, we had to cook dinner once a week. Um, even when we were pretty young and I think just those little things of, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch and, you know, my parents helping cultivate that personal responsibility as well. And, you know, chipping in and contributing was, was really important in our family. So I think that's probably actually honestly where it started. Definitely from a young age. I think it's like getting those, getting those reps in, even just like when your parents are showing you what it means to be responsible and just like taking the first steps to, so when, I don't know, when you're 18, 19, 20, like you move out of home, then it just makes it easy to be independent. Yeah, definitely. Especially yeah. at such a young age, like developing, like we say, responsibility, but having, I guess, good role models like you did, like I obviously know your, your parents well, but they, I can, I'm just thinking like primary school, like, and then to high school, like you studied really hard as well. And, but then you also found the balance of obviously doing these things at home, um, hanging out with friends, playing sport, like, how did you balance that at such a young age? Because you, like, gifted people say you're gifted, but like, like, just you put the time and work in, and mm. like, where did that instill that come from? Yeah, like, I I am incredibly driven, <laughs> um, for sure, and and it probably, you know, being the youngest of three, I know going back to family again, but being the youngest of three. My sister's four years older than me. My brother is three years older than me, and they were both incredibly talented. There was never a, um, a and driven as well at school. There was never a question about whether what they were doing. They were always going to university, um, and I think being the youngest is just like whether it's in sport, you know, playing backyard cricket with your brother or at school. You know, the, the marks that they got in year seven. When you get to year seven, you want to be you know doing the same or better. So I think that was probably again, you know. It's a real privilege actually to have like it, to be in a in a situation like not many people have that not many people you know even their parents going to university and like seeing that as a viable option so r realistically that's a huge privilege and i think that's probably where it started 
Um, and then in terms of pushing on, like through high school, it was really, again, the positive rivalries that, that kept me motivated. And the other thing is feedback. So when you get good marks, you know, you're getting that positive reinforcement that you're doing the right thing. Or if someone's giving you feedback that you're doing really well, um, that's really important. And then I think, yeah, the, the rivalries at school, like, um, you know, Steve Russell really well. Yep. Yep. Um, me and Steve in year 11 and 12 were like, you know, we just wanted to beat each other, but in a good way. Like we, we wanted to it was, get... It was very healthy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, you know, I thrive on that, love sport. Like I'm super competitive, as you know. Um, so I think I just took that same mindset into other parts of my life. Um, yeah. You know, you got like, when you grow up and you've got the people that are like really good at sport and then you got the people that are like really smart yeah, and you got the people that both. are both. Yeah. Yeah, so I hated those people. <laughs> that was him, like Steve Russell, <laughs> like good at basketball and stuff as well, and cricket. And I'm just like, used to, that's why we used to have battles as well. But yeah, I know a couple of And them. then you get like, <laughs> you. I've probably never said this to you, but like, you know how you've got people in your own age group that are like, inspire you and you're like, they're like semi-mentors? Sure, yeah. Yeah, like that's what you've been to me in, in the aspect of the balance of like wanting to, strive and be the best you can at what you're doing and but then also still i guess you enjoy yourself but you, you've literally taken responsibility of your life and the direction and everything you're doing is towards the purpose so we're talking off camera before that no matter what you do in your next job if it's not towards your purpose or anything you're not going to do it so if it's i'm going to go traveling for six months well i'm not going to do that because that doesn't align with who I am and what I'm trying to do with the environment and things like that. Like, how did you cultivate that mindset? And how do you literally be like, this is who I am and this is what I'm going to do and I don't care if I miss out on a year of travel to explore the world because that's not going to change the world. How do you define those two or separate them? Yeah, yeah. So I guess in terms of like my main goal at work and in my professional life in terms of what I want to achieve is probably the place to start, which is around environment. Um, so, you know, as an environmental professional, that's what I do day in, day out, but there's different sort of scope to how you could do that. You know, you could work in government, you could try and, you know, influence like the policy and things that set up the framework for how people work, work in industry like I do now and try and, you know, influence from the inside and make sure that what the company's doing that you work at is, is best practice. Um, or you could go, you know, work at a non-government organisation or something like that and try and do it from, from a different angle. Um, but I'm just incredibly passionate about the environment and I think it's a massive, like a massive issue that, that, it, that we face. Um, you know, for so long, the whole way the world has worked is around economic growth and, and measuring through GDP, which I think is very blunt, very blunt measure. And I think we've at got... At the cost a, of the environment. At the, at the direct cost of the environment. So um, I'm really passionate about how can I be part of changing that around it? And obviously climate change is a massive part of that, um, which is what I'm trying to get more into now. Um, but also things like biodiversity loss, environmental impact, all the things we enjoy doing. Well, I don't know about you guys, but you know, surfing, we're talking about that, that this morning, camping, traveling, all those things, you know, the, the value is usually the environment or, or where you're going. And I think that we've got to put more value on that as a society. And that's a big part of what I sort of want to work on. And, and, and that keeps me really driven in work as well. I just want to relate that to sort of the, like some of the ideas that we present to schools and, and whatnot, which is like, I know there's so many like sayings and different references that we can use. And we, we use a few of them. So just like, 
um, choices towards the way the person you want to be. So like, yeah, you were saying before, like, yeah, you could make the choice to go traveling, go here and there and everywhere, or you can make the choice to do something about fixing the environment, for example. Um, another one's just like easy to do, easy not to do. So like, it's easy to make the choices to, I don't know, better yourself or it's easy not to do those kind of things. And, it's, and then it comes down to that holding yourself accountable, which we'll go into in a bit, like those qualities. Um, yeah, it comes down to those bits of just like really pushing yourself to like get those things done, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. I, like, it's, I find that when, you're, when you take responsibility of those choices and where you want to go, you can like the other stuff just, it, like, just fades away and you start to just like keep on... They, they, they don't just come up anymore. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, but how do you take responsibility and put it? Because it's not all on your shoulders. Like, there's you can't change everybody and you can't change what everyone else is doing. So how at Rio? I don't know how much in depth you can go to it. So what is your role and what do you actually do to at, on your site to actually change? Yeah. Well, I, I guess another another real key philosophy I have in life, which probably speaks to that first part around you know there's so much you can do um is like a very strong believer in just control what you can control yes um you know i think a lot of anxiety and 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 negative thoughts that then lead to inaction in society come from people worrying about things that they can't influence so for me that's that's critical um you know at work that's a that's a philosophy i take so i guess in terms of you know things that things that i try to do like I can influence a lot of people, you know, it's a big company, has a lot of capital, has a lot of potential to do really good stuff. So my job is really how do I influence, you know, communicate, help leaders understand, help stakeholders understand what we can do. But then, you know, as you said, there's so much you can do. So how do you prioritize? Or you look at the scale of the opportunity, whether it's a, you know, you might, you might, for example, give you an example, you could have the opportunity to spend bit of money on some weed control on site or you could spend the same amount of money on a project to improve infrastructure which may you know stop the spread of weeds altogether so you look at the scale of i guess the opportunity and you focus on and you prioritize the key things that are going to have the most impact so again yeah there's a hundred things you can do but what are the five most impactful things that you can do they're the things that i try and focus on and it it helps again with your day-to-day you know there's so much work coming in there's so many people asking for help there's so many people raising concerns or, or questions, but then you use that model to reprioritize, okay, well, what are those, what are those key things? What are the five things? It's kind of like that opportunity cost kind of like mm. thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and that, I think by doing that as well, you then, you, you tell a consistent story. Yeah. So my leaders yeah. on site know the things that I'm trying to influence and the things that I'm trying to get done because they know what's the biggest priority because they know what either the biggest risk or opportunities because that's, it, it's all aligned. You know, I'm not coming in one day saying we need to focus on, eradicating weeds and the next day talking about you know we need to focus on improving the health of our coral reefs it's very consistent messaging based around what what the scale of the opportunity or risk is that sounds complex (laughs) 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 my mind is like (laughs) essentially essentially look at look at what you've got in front of you Mm. and prioritize yeah prioritize 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 because you know there's so much you can do but what is the things that can have the most impact? Focus on those. Yeah, I guess that, that is definitely another big aspect of responsibility in the way that like you, you get the opportunity to do this, do that, but rather than 
kind of narrow it down to just a couple of things. So then you prioritize one thing and the next. So then you're actually going to achieve what you want to achieve rather than getting running around like a headless chook kind of thing. Another um another another great saying that that someone said to me once, which which really resonates, is um, if you don't prioritize your life, someone else is. So, yes. you know, yeah. talk about influence and getting people to do the things that you think are important. If you're not doing that and doing it really well, someone else is doing it to you. So yeah. you will be focusing on things that you don't think are as impactful or have been decided on by other people. And that's great if, you know, it's your leader because you need to do that. Yeah. But if that's someone that might not be as well informed or might not understand as much what the actual risk or opportunity is, that's actually damaging, you know. You could be spending four hours looking through all your emails that people have sent you or you could spend four hours on your most important critical task. Yeah. And that's kind of, I don't know, I really like that saying because it's like, that, and that comes back to personal responsibility as well. You're taking control for what you think is important as opposing to allowing other people to, to try and tell you what's what's important. So, Definitely. In I want to go back to um, uni, right? So at uni, you got the opportunity to go and study overseas right so i guess when you're over there what you would have left a lot behind here um how did you i guess go about that and what did what what was the opportunity that came from there and what was the program about really yeah so um i'm really really fortunate to be awarded a new colombo plan scholarship so um sorry stop you what is that and and like how did you get it yeah okay so the new Colombo plan is a signature initiative of the Australian government. So it's actually a line item in the federal budget that says, you know, the federal government will spend X amount of money on the new Colombo plan. And the reason the government's doing that is because it really wants to strengthen and improve ties within the Indo-Pacific region. So basically think of the Indo-Pacific as Mongolia down to Indonesia and East Timor and across to all the Pacific islands like Hawaii and stuff. Yep. So it's essentially the region which we live in. Um, it's the region we trade in. It's the region we, um, you know, have really strong relationships with. And, and obviously it's in our best interest as a country to have um, that region operating to, towards sort of our values and, and I guess the, um, yeah, the, the rules-based order of the world is, is sort of how we, we'd like to see that um, area sort of continue to be. Um, so really the new Colombo plan is all about sending young Australian leaders um, out into the region um, to study, to work and to, to learn language and, and cultural competency. Um, and, it, and that's really so that when, when they come back, they've got that understanding. So we yeah. talk a lot about cultural intelligence, which is a bit like emotional intelligence mm. um, around having a better, like, you know, immersing yourself in a culture. So for me, Indonesia, I have a much better understanding of um, how that culture is, and, and, and I should say as well, Indonesia is not a culture. There's thousands of cultures within Indonesia, 17,000 islands, so you can imagine yeah, how much cultural diversity there is. But just living there and, and sort of seeing, you know, the way that people live their life, the things that are important to them, the way that they interact, the way that they build relationships, very different to Australia in, in some respects. Um, so that, that was really, that's really a cornerstone of the program and then building those relationships. So I have really good friends in Indonesia all through throughout the um, ASEAN countries, the 10 ASEAN countries, um, as well as other people that have gone and done programs to all other countries um, who have then come back to Australia as well. So I guess that's kind of what it's about, building those people-to-people -people links, um, business-to-business and that sort of thing as well. Yeah. So taking the responsibility aspect into that, it's your, like, yeah, your responsibility to, one, take that opportunity 
to like, yep, I'm going to do it. Like you could have said no and stay here and stay in your comfort zone. Or even apply for it. Like, oh, did you get yeah, it? so yeah. it's a, it's a, sorry, I should have, you did kind of ask that. So um, there's 125 scholarships awarded each year. How many people apply? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I can't, I can't. But you have to actually apply to university first. Yeah. Um, and then if you get through your university application, they shortlist 10 people. And then those 10 people then apply to the Australian government. And, and there's a point where you actually have to fly to Canberra for the interview. So they fly you over there, you stay one night. And for me, I woke up, I always try and get interviews done first thing. So I was first in eight o'clock and I could not eat like <laughs> that morning. Like I just couldn't eat. I think I had a coffee and that was it. Um, never been so, like never been so nervous in my life. Um, yeah, you do your interview, fly back home and then you're just kind of waiting to see. So um, for people that have done, you know, vacation work, graduate, job interviews similar except it's heightened because you know they're taking you all the way over to canberra putting you up in a hotel you know you do the interview you walk into the interview and there's eight people interviewing you eight to ten and there's two people dictating everything so like typing out everything that gets said nice. so do you going into that interview are you like prepped or you know what you got to say oh yeah you've, you've spent like six to eight months of like getting ready for your application yeah yeah wow um so yeah, pretty intense, even even the application part of it, um, yeah. So like back on, yeah, like you've taken, you're taking that responsibility to when you're over there, so you get accepted and now you're over there, like you've got to go and meet people, you've got to go and connect with people. Like you could have gone there for, how long was it? Six, I was there for eight months. Eight months. Yeah. So you could have just gone there and done your own thing and studied, but you've gone, you've learnt more about the history of the place, the culture, the people, like... Some, most people, when they travel, they just go to a place. Sick, that's a nice building. That's a nice river. Like, you know, they don't actually indulge themselves. And that's their... It's on, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, their, it's their choice to do that. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's really, um, you know, that's, that's the objective of that scholarship is that, like, so you, do, you have to do a study component. Um, you have options to do, like, internships. So I worked at um, the Centre for International Forestry Research, which is based in Mughal, which is the city I was living um, and they really, really encourage you to do language training as well. So I did a month of um, Bahasa Indonesia, Indonesian language in Salatiga, which is in like central Java. How much of you do you know the language? Uh, Siddi Kitsaja, which is just a little bit. Um, I probably, yeah, I can, I can have like a conversation and um, I, still, I still actually study once a week um, when I'm on site, just like for an hour after work with a lady in, um, in Jogjakarta in central Java. Nice. I've tried keeping it up, but I've never actually done it in a classroom apart from those three weeks. Um, so yeah, it's not it's not great, but I can I can get around and have a conversation yeah. and talk to someone, but maybe like an eight year old sort of level. level. <laughs> it's still something that. Um, yeah, from what you sort of said, just coming up or like being sent away and and these young Australian leaders and leadership and responsibility pretty much go hand in hand. There's a lot of qualities that fall under like. I guess those umbrella terms. So like, I think, yeah, from like a couple of dot points that you said was, um, yeah, having the courage to actually like step out of your comfort zone and, and like, geez, go to Java and like do all these opportunities and like really grasp them. Um, yeah. What, what do you think are some other qualities that you think are involved in responsibility and leadership? That's a big question. Um, I think incredibly well, leadership to me the, the most important quality and potentially the one that's becoming more challenging for people to develop is their communication skills. I think, yeah. um, you know, 20 years ago, if I wanted to come and, you know, meet you guys and come on the podcast, I'd have to find where you work, 
you know, yeah. look it up in a book yeah. and then just come in here, yeah, like you said, step out of your comfort zone and, and introduce myself and say, hey, I'd love to come on the podcast and talk about personal responsibility. Now, Bubba just flicks me a message on, on Messenger. I can be up in Karatha and go, yep, no worries. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's awesome. That's a method of getting things done, but it's not really communicating and building communication skills, which are still vital in the workforce. So I think our generation and generations after us are going to, it's going to be harder to be effective at communicating. And I was like, when I was talking about what I do at work, 90% of my job is communication. Yeah. It's not being a technical environmental professional. It's how do you take technical information and talk, turn it into common English, which by the sounds of things, I'm not doing very well. When I started talking <laughs> at work, um, you know, for people that don't work in the field to understand because they're, they're my clients and then taking their, you know, thoughts, considerations, questions, and then turning that into technical information for a technical professional to do like a package of work. So yeah. it's kind of science communication um, and you can't get anything done if you can't influence people. And the way that you influence people is by talking to them. Yeah. So I think that's probably like, that's the one that sticks out as critical. And I think if this is, you know, for younger people to think about how do they develop their leadership skills, communication, and, and how can you work on developing your communication skills in terms of actually talking um, so doing things like public speaking, doing things like networking events or, or opportunities to interact with people that you're not comfortable with, that's, that's gold. That's the gold stuff. Yeah. So that kind of comes back to the courage that I just sort of said. Um, but there's even the other qualities like fairness, um, honesty. So not just being honest with uh, people around you, but being honest with, honest with yourself. Yeah. Um, so like, yes, yeah, staying true to your values and beliefs and those decisions that you make. Um, but yeah, another one for responsibility, I think is just yeah holding yourself accountable like you say you want to do something you just bloody go and do it like yeah um don't like you can it's easy to make excuses it's easy to like try to justify things and say i didn't do that because mm. but just go out i reckon that just like go out there and send it if you want to do something yeah 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 100 percent. just dip your foot in the water get into it yeah. like uh, an example recently was um well, I was just in, in Canberra at an international affairs conference, which we were talking about before offline. And the uh, assistant minister for foreign affairs, Tim Watts, um, was there. And I've never met, you know, he's like, <laughs> I'm A talking about international affairs. He's like the biggest person, like <laughs> apart from Penny Wong, who's the minister herself. Um, he did a keynote speech. And as soon as the keynote speech finished, he like, asked for questions. And I will always try and, like if I've got, because most of the time you have something, you're like, I'd really be interested to know this. You know, you're sitting in a room with a hundred people. Like if you, if you actually put your hand up to ask a question, like your heart's are stumping and whatever, but I'll always try and, you know, if, you, if there's something you want to ask, just ask it. Yeah. You, know, you might stuff up the question a bit or, you know, you might make a bit of a fool of yourself, but it's all part of the learning process. Um, and then similarly, like I did ask a question and then afterwards, um, you know, finished and I just went straight up to him and introduced myself, which people go, oh, why would you do that? You know, you you're just a member of the crowd, you know, like, but it's just, just put, put yourself out there, you know, yeah. take the risk, introduce yourself. Um, and yeah, it, from my experience, I think the more you do it, the more it pays off. Yeah. <laughs> and then the more you're like, okay, I can do it. Like, yeah. it's not an issue. It doesn't matter who it is. I'll, I'll just go for it. Well, I've heard like Tim Ferriss say like, if you, even if you like someone like that, a conference or something and you want to ask a question, just, it, it is an anxious thing at the time, but I guess it comes down to not caring what anyone else thinks, but, yeah, having the like fearless nature just to ask dumb questions. Mm. I mean, if, uh, even asking dumb, or like 
dumbed down questions per se because um, then you get a you could get a, a wide range of answers, but also you never know like what people assume to be like oh isn't that, isn't that just common knowledge like people might actually be like oh no like, I actually didn't know that <laughs> so just ask yeah dumb you questions you don't ask and so the answers always no or whatever, yeah you know what I mean so well it's like the Tim Ferriss did a thing was it Tim Ferriss yeah I'm pretty sure where they did a study of 100 kids like 200 kids and 100 of these kids had to like go and message someone famous and try and get them to interview them like a bio mm. there was no reward and then he did it with another 100 and then like they had a reward if they did it they got like 10 bucks or whatever anyway like I, I remember listening to that and then I was for this podcast I tried to get I'm trying to get James Smith on the podcast because like about confidence and talk about confidence and and um you know how he goes about it I don't know if you know no, I don't. Tommy PT. Is okay. Like pretty, yeah, it's pretty funny. He's, but like, I was just like, oh, no, nah, what's the point of messaging him? He'll never. But it's my responsibility if I want to get him on. So I had to go on. I just sent him an Instagram message about a week ago. Haven't heard back. But like, you're going to send out like, or you're going to ask questions. You've got to do all this thing. And it's your responsibility. Follow up persistence. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Tom's got a funny story of how he get, got into happiness co. But it's like, if you want something to happen, you're the one that's got to make it happen. And so yeah. you've got to follow up. You've got to keep doing it. So, but I want to go back to when you talked about the relationships and it's your responsibility to make them good. How do you, when you're in Java or you're on site or away, like this month's been hectic for you, um, how do you balance your relationships and your family and your friends? Yeah, it's, and, and uh, probably we've just been talking about what I do a lot in professional work, which probably makes people think that I don't sleep or like I'm just, <laughs> yeah. you know, working flat out. Um, I do, I like... I don't think you can be effective at work at all until you are looking after yourself properly and, and ticking those boxes of things that, that are really important. So, um, yeah, friends and family are, are critical and, and yeah, Mads probably isn't feeling that at the moment given that I've been away <laughs> for the last couple of weeks, but it, it is really important to get the right balance. And that, for example, that's why I didn't go to site this week. So I've just got back from um, a week of turtle tagging up near Carrather on an island and then I went straight over to C- Canberra for four days. And the week before that, I was working my boss's job. So I haven't had a weekend. Like the last two weekends, I've essentially been away for work. Yeah. Um, and that's why when I got back on Tuesday, I didn't go. To, I didn't fly up to site. I'm like, no, nah, I'll stay in Perth this week, you know, get myself back on track, get life back in order, hang out with Mad, spend some time with her, just get things back to Ooh, balance because yeah. I'm acknowledging that it's not in balance. You know, getting back on like, Feel your cup back up. Yeah, feel your cup, get some sleep, get some surf in, yeah. um, you know, wind back down so that then I know I can be my best self next week when I go to site because it's going to be a big week and there's there's a few things that need to happen. So I think that's it, one, like, you know, you're, you're the only person that knows how you're doing, like, really, like in terms of sleep and fatigue and mental health and all those things and being cognizant of that and checking in with yourself. Um, but I do a lot of things to, to keep that balance. Um, you know, I, I don't ever work outside hours. I don't ever work on weekends. Um, the only time that would happen would it be if my boss called me on my personal phone, which has never happened, but he knows that he could if, yeah. if it was critical. Um, but our team has a real mindset of, you know, get to work, work hard, do your job well, but we don't work. We don't stretch out work. We don't work on weekends. And, and that's a real a real team decision because, you know, I think that's really healthy and it means you bring your best self to work. Um, and then, I mean, outside of work, a, a big part of me staying balanced is, is 
is exercise and sports. So surfing, I play football still. When I'm away at work, I um, go to the gym every night or go to football training. There's a footy team up there and I'll train with them on the Tuesday. That's sick. Um, or go for a run. So it's like every day I exercise, um, except maybe on Sundays when I'm back in back in Perth. <laughs> Nursing a bit of a hangover or something like that after catching up with friends. Yeah. So, yeah, on site, like, it's pretty, it'd be pretty tough for, you know, we always talk about work and all the responsibilities you've got to work, but you've got to keep, one, you just said, like, how you reset and knowing how you work and how you operate and how you're actually feeling, which is so important, but how do you balance the, okay, I want to exercise, got to have a good diet, like, stay healthy mentally, physically, like, and emotionally. What do you, what do you, so you obviously exercise, is there anything else? Like, do you journal? Do you read? Do you podcast? Do you watch your diet? Like, like yeah, 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 yeah. Because you've got, it's your, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so uh, probably the first thing is I try and automate everything, like decision making, um, in terms of routine. So I think routine's critical. Um, like, so I literally will finish work and then I go straight to the gym. Like, I don't, there's no, like, what am I going to do tonight? Yeah. It's like, all right, what did I do last? Like, what haven't I done for a while? Like, I'm not a gym freak. I probably go about three or four times a week. So, it's kind of like, what haven't I done for a while? It might be cardio, so I go for a run. Or it might be, you know, I haven't done arms or back or legs. So that, and that's how I kind of make that first decision. Mm-hmm. And then after I've gone to the gym, um, if, it's, if it's Tuesdays, I do my Indonesian lesson before the gym and then go to the gym. If it's Wednesday, I do my Indonesian homework after the gym. Um, and then I'll go, you know, eat dinner. And then I'll go back to my room. And, and then I've sort of got about an hour. Um, and I'll usually... Then, like, if there's any sort of, like, little life admin things that I need to do, I try and do that on site so that when I come back home, I can be more present and I'm not sitting on my, like, laptop on the weekend too much or anything. So, I try and do, like, those little life admin things that pop up. Um, And then I always, like, I'll always listen to a podcast or something while I'm eating dinner and and things like that. Try and, like, have a bit of me time while I'm doing that. And then I'll always listen to a podcast or read before bed. So, at least 15 minutes, 20 minutes of a pod or, um, you know, reading a book or something. I actually just bought a Kindle, which I'm pretty excited about, which is, which is, I think me going from being a young man straight into an old man with like with no step in between, but pretty excited to um, be able to travel with that and you have heaps of books on that. Yeah, nice. That kind of stems into one of the other topics that we wanted to go into, which is how can we start to develop personal responsibility in a way? So like, like kind of what you went into then, which is developing those good habits. Because yeah, once you do those things. We've talked about habits on another potty before, but um, those actions just become a lot more autonomous so you can continue to put your energy elsewhere and what it's doing. Um, yeah, what do you guys think of some other ways we can start to develop some personal responsibility? Yeah, I, I, I go back to automation. Like automation is just like, I know we kind of just talked about that, but um, it's a critical part of my life. Like anything I can automate, that I don't need to make a decision about, I will. So that even things like bank transfers for rent and, you know, like just little things as well, like what time I wake up in the morning if it's a flyout day, it's always the exact same time and the alarm's always set. Because I think the less deci- less active, dis- we have to make so many decisions every day, the less active decisions you can make, the more that opens up space and then probably goes on to your other part. That then gives you more time to do things like you know, listen to a podcast or read a book or, or things like that. So I think, that's that i mean for me in my life that's absolutely critical to automate whatever possible to give you more time to then be creative and think outside the box and that sort of thing yeah what about you Braden? probably mine is 
habits would probably be my biggest one. Yeah. Like, because if I can control, you know, the little things, the easy things, sort of like you're saying, but having those habits, because they're, like, I can take control of those. Yeah. My responsibility. And I guess how you, if you either, um, blaming people like you know you blame yourself or you blame other people if something doesn't go wrong yeah we can either be the victim of your story can be the master of your story you yeah know? exactly like i can yeah oh it didn't happen because of this so it didn't happen because of that like or like this person didn't help me out so that's why i, I couldn't achieve it yeah it's like, well no like it's your like it's your responsibility it's your responsibility so um sort of being aware of those i guess they could be actions but mm. um yeah what about you uh i think another point we wanted to touch on was I'm happy to touch on is not taking things too personally. Yeah. So like, that's you, when you, you talked about feedback before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, feedback's huge because like you, you might hear a boss or like even one of your mates say something, and you can get defensive about it or you can take it on. It's like oh, just constructive. I'll do this differently next time. But also because by not to try, or like it's a, it is a lot easier said than done. Not taking things personally just because we continue to internalize things from. Um, social media, the world around us, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, just kind of like n- try, try not to conform to what, uh, what everyone else is thinking or saying or doing and staying true to yourself, being authentic and um, holding yourself accountable to do the things that you want to do. And yeah, that sh- it takes a bit of discipline. You can, you can increase discipline in, in, a, in a number of ways. Um, but I think like from what we've been talking about, like they're pretty strong ways that some listeners if they're looking to develop their responsibility that I can good good place to start for sure and yeah. another one that I think is really important as well it kind of builds on the feedback piece you know get a lot of bad feedback in life like really average feedback it's fail that heads. could be yeah. you know for, for be, example be my, shit. My, my, <laughs> my car my car caught on fire um back in June so my, my car was written off in a car fire like literally just <laughs> caught on fire anyway I'm standing on the side of the road watching my car burn down <laughs> trying to like, oh. <laughs> trying to get everything out of the car. This guy drives past me in a Ford Ranger and says, <laughs> I can't probably repeat it on the podcast, but you can imagine like basically, um, should have bought a fucking Ranger, mate. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, you know, someone else drives past, my car's still burning down. Like no, they're not stopping. They're just driving past. Like this is long weekend going down south on the freeway. Um, so you can imagine what the traffic was like. And someone else just like, yeah, called me an effing, effing this, effing that. And they're like, mate, like, what do you want me to do? Like, yeah, <laughs> like, I didn't light my car on fire. Like, <laughs> um, anyway, so, you know, you get a lot of examples of really average feedback. Yeah. But, but the way that you can counter that and the way that you can focus that if you're trying to develop responsibility is finding yourself really good mentors. And they don't need to be, yeah. you know, just in professional workplace. They can be in your personal life as well. So two of my biggest mentors are my parents um, in my personal life. And, and I, you know, if there's a decision around work or, development or opportunities i'll often go to them and bounce it off them and go what do you guys think you know am I, am I on the right track um is there something i'm missing um but then in work as well or in school like i had some really good teachers who were essentially mentors in high school um, i had some really good lecturers who were essentially mentors through university and helped me sort of think about what what i might like to do in work and then at work i have you know three or four both at rio and outside really strong mentors who sort of help guide me and and, and you know a big part of their job is giving feedback yeah. And telling you, you know, you are on the right track, or have you thought about this, or challenging your perceptions and assumptions. Um, so I think whatever stage in your life you're at, if you're trying to think about developing personal responsibility, having a mentor is is a great way to do that. When you and when you receive feedback, you got to be, I guess, I think honesty is a good quality of personal responsibility. Like you got to 
be honest and be like, okay, yeah, maybe I'm not doing this right or maybe that actually is feedback and that relates to me. But then you've got to also have the courage to be like, nah, like that, like where he is, where he, what he's doing probably doesn't, the feedback doesn't mean, like because we're going to get thousands of feedback. But it's like, nah, like I don't, nah, don't want it from him. But like you, if you gave me feedback, I'd be like, okay, well, maybe that is something I need to work on. Honest with myself. Yeah, I'm not doing it as best I could. I'm not doing it right. So then you got to be honest with yourself as well. Yeah. Um, but you talked about podcasts, books. Any recommendations? <laughs> um, to, well, I can go in a lot of different veins on this <laughs> and I don't know how much. Well, they, it does all kind of link back to personal responsibility. So podcast-wise, if you're at the stage in your life when, when, you, when you're earning money, which is a great stage of your life <laughs> to be at when you're at uni, it's not so relevant. Um, in terms of in terms of taking control of your finance, um, which I think is incre- incredibly important for anyone, um, and, and having really good financial behaviours, um, Motley Fool Money is a podcast that I listen to almost every week around just general advice around investing and and you know working out how the share market works and opportunities and how, how you sort of get started because you know we don't learn that stuff in school but it, yeah. they're really important lessons and you don't want to make them. You don't want to make you don't want to learn those lessons the wrong way, otherwise you, yes. you know lose, lose all that savings. So in podcasting, in podcasting land, land that's a big one for me. Um, obviously, Enviro. So how to save a planet is a really good podcast that people can listen to and gives you really practical advice around how you can contribute towards um, the climate crisis and um, what you can do in your own personal life and, and decisions you can make to support that. Um, and then in Bookland. Um, two books that I've recently read, which I really, really enjoyed, um, was Let My People Go Surfing by the founder of Patagonia. Um, as you can see, I wear a lot of, <laughs> a lot of Patagonia. <laughs> um, and, and that's an awesome book. It, and it's all about, you know, changing the way that you do business to focus on how you generate value for everyone and the planet. So, you know, the, the, as we talk about traditional way of doing business in the, uh, a bit earlier, but this is really about like, well, how do you do business that best looks after the environment, you know, has those core values of looking after its people. Like that, Patagonia was revolutionary with, you know, their childcare on site, um, maternity, paternity leave, self-taxing themselves to donate to the environment, like all these things that they've done that like no one else in business is doing. Um, and that's a fascinating book. Um, do you think a lot of more businesses are moving towards being environment environmentally friendly but they yeah they are um it's changing and i think it's changing because consumers so you know the people that are buying their things whether that's you know in my industry which is iron ore or if it's in clothing or those sorts of things the biggest way that often you know we can influence companies is by putting our money where our mouth is so you know if that means forking up another 30 dollars for a jacket from patagonia as opposed to a jacket from somewhere else that's making a decision to say that no, I align with the values of that company. You know, if there's recycled water bottles in the jacket and there's, you know, it's been used organic cotton and those sorts of things, you're essentially saying, I value those things. Yeah. Um, so I think it is, but it's, I think it's being driven by the customer, um, which is really positive. There's also a lot of sort of greenwashing going on in, in the corporate world at the moment. I think that's a real challenge. You know, everyone's talking about net zero emissions by 2050. They're talking about, you know, environmental social governance but i think the really important thing is that all companies demonstrate how they're actually doing that and are transparent with the steps that they're taking to achieve that because there's a bit of concern that from, from me personally that you know if we're, if we're not walking the walk we're just talking the talk that that's that's a concern so um 
yeah, I, and I guess it, for me, it worked really, really positive to see that we actually are um, uh, walking the walk, and especially around some of the stuff around emissions and climate change. Really positive to see, like commitments to investment and reduction in, in CO two emissions and things like that. So, what are you doing to, like your day to day? So, wearing yeah. clothes, mate. I this is don't this is <laughs> yeah. I do have a coffee cup, but Another I plug. Home, Yeti. Right? Yeti. Oh, Yeti. I love yeah. it. So, Massive fan like, of Yeti. That. Yeah, it's Patagonia. What like what about, are you plant based? No, all so we don't right. cook meat at home. I, I'll still get a palmy when I go out for dinner. So reduction, I guess, yeah, reduction in meat intake is is one thing. Um, trying to reduce waste is is another. But one of the biggest things you can do is just buying less stuff. Like our, our whole society is built around consumerism. Um, consumerism, and and advertising is so strong and so good that most people, you know, people do just that's a part of life. Um, so I think, yeah, just buying less. And so I pretty much only buy, um, if it's something brand new, which usually Mads buys me for, for birthday yeah. present or something, um, it'll be from Patagonia. Um, and if it's any other clothes, if, if, you know, you have that feeling, like oh, I just want something like new or something, you know, freshen up the wardrobe a little bit. It's always from the op shop. Like 50, yeah, 50% of my wardrobe is op shop and 50% is Patagonia. <laughs> so, you, can, you can get some good op cops, hey? Yeah. Buy them. Yeah. But that's a couple of practical ones. Yeah. Um, the stuff around emissions is is hard because a lot of it happens at a really large, like at a large scale. So, you know, even if you decide right now that you want to buy an electric vehicle, for example, to reduce emissions, you know, Western Australia still runs on coal and gas-fired power generation. So the, the energy is just, the CO2 emissions are being created elsewhere as opposed to being created as your car drives. So it's kind of not a perfect a perfect thing so that's why in work like that's they're the things i'm trying to influence you know how do we build the next 100 megawatt solar farm how do we change the way that we look at business so that we have carbon is built into the price of the things that we do as opposed to being you know something that the company doesn't have to worry about but at the end of the day the whole planet has to worry about um so yeah but there's so there's heaps you can do and and how to save a planet podcast has really practical recommendations for everyone nice love that i guess do you want to give us before we wrap up your Top three tips to, if you've got to, some tips to develop responsibility, personal responsibility. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I wrote down focusing on critical tasks first thing. So we talked about that a bit before around prioritization, but um, if you really want to take responsibility, you need to know what it is you're trying to achieve. So having a strategy or goals and those sorts of things. And the first thing you do each morning, whether this is personal life or, or you know, professional life or work or school or whatever, should be towards your number one goal and, and tick and, and working out what you need to do to tick that off. If you do that, you know, in the workplace, I think a lot of people get caught in their emails. You get so many, like I'd get about a hundred emails a day. Um, you could spend your whole life just, you know, replying to emails and actually doing nothing. But if you get in first thing, chunk your first two hours, right, I'm working on um, that management plan that I really want to deliver and you work on that and you get to a key, you know, key checkpoint, perfect that's awesome and then you can worry about all the other things that pop up and the noise around it um and then the other thing i would say on emails is batching so um if if you are in a in a work setting um setting out like two hours and just being like and i do it on the plane because I, I fly to work every week yep. so on the way up and on the way back is when i batch my emails and i'll get through like 70 to 80 percent of all my emails just by just focusing on only doing that at that time um and i find that's that's really effective um, also wrote down tracking and removing distractions. Um, 
that hinder you from reaching your goals. So things like, um, like two, two of the main ones I work on social media and alcohol. So, you know, everything in moderation, I, t- I still use social media. Um, I still like having a beer, you know, on a Friday afternoon, but, you know, recognize that you have goals and that, you know, if you, if you have, if you're spending three hours every day on, on Facebook, that's, that's only impacting you right back to your yeah. personal responsibility. So I actually track a lot of my behaviors um, through an app. Um, What's that? It's called Whoop. So it's actually a fitness tracking, fitness tracking app, which Have you got the, yeah, yeah. got the band. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I track like journal essentially all my behaviors and how that's impacting on like my sleep, my recovery and those sorts of things. Um, but a big part of it is just tracking those sort of like less healthy things. So I have a goal to use my phone for less than two hours a day. And so I, I'm like tracking myself against that every day. Yeah. Um, because I know that if I'm spending four or five hours on my phone, then I'm not doing the things that I've already told myself are really important. So I guess that's one. Um, and then similar with alcohol, like if you've ever used Whoop before, if I have two beers at the pub, my recovery is significantly lower and you can actually see it. That's two beers. Do you, do you have to say I've just had two? Yeah. So like each day it comes up in your journal. Two cartons graphs or whatever yeah, yeah 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 so you like you track it but you look at your recovery in the morning and, and i'll sort of have like an 80 or 90 percent recovery normally even if you sleep for eight or nine hours it'll be like 50 percent. yeah right and your heart your quality of sleep or something yeah your resting heart rate will be higher because it's processing all the alcohol your heart rate variability will change it's it's really interesting because you can see Terrible. your body's reaction to it um so yeah i guess everything in moderation still love having a beer but not not, not all the time and not too many um, and then the other one was just surrounding yourselves with who you want to be. So mm, I think big. like it's big in sport as well, right? Like if you, if you, if you're the worst player in a team, you're going to get so much better by surrounding yourself with people that are better than you. Average um, top five people you hang around. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then same in, same in, you know, personal life. If, if you hang out with a bunch of people and all they do is, you know, every time they catch up, they have to be, you know, having 10 or 15 beers, then that's what you're going to do. Right. Whereas if the people that you hang out with are, really curious, interested, engaged people who are trying to progress themselves in their career or whatever they're doing, you're going to sort of by diffusion start being the same. So I think, yeah, um, a lot can be said for just surrounding yourselves with people that essentially you want to become. Well said. I love it. That's some good tips. We've been going for a little while. I feel Have like. I? Yeah, I mean, I've loved having this chat. It's been awesome. And I could keep going, but um, no, our goal is normally to talk about, like, I think, 25 30 <laughs> 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 we've but lost track of time <laughs> but no nah, that happens it's quality talk so there's a lot in that and um hope the listeners got a lot about how to you know gain more personal responsibility sorry about the phone going off dms um, <laughs> um but yeah uh, so i think um you boys got anything to add before we before we exit no nah, i just think i'm gonna go back and rewatch this Cause mate, that was I got a lot of tips out of that myself. But um, yeah. I just want to thank you for coming on and um, yeah, very insightful into how to develop personal responsibility and obviously <coughs> find out a bit more, a little bit more about what you're doing and what you're up to. But um, yeah, I appreciate you coming in. Thanks for having me, boys. Cheers. All the best in the future. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. You. Thanks, guys. Stay switched on. This has been the Upside Podcast, brought to you by Happiness Co. Head to happinessco.org for more information.